This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. What's up, everyone? It's Cam over with Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. How we doing? It is uh, coming into the beginning of 2024, and... One of the things that I like to do is go through the annual planning, look at my years past, kind of see what lessons I need to learn from, hopefully. <laughs> if I didn't learn from them, then they're failures. I try not to have many of those. Uh, but one of the big areas, I think in my business, but really any business, it should be yours as well, with trucking, transportation, freight, anything, is marketing. So I've got my friend Blythe back with us. You guys may or may not remember her, but she also has her own podcast. Everything is logistics and she is the founder of Digital Dispatch. Blythe, how are we doing? I'm doing fantastic. You know, just trying to navigate the holidays, I think like the rest of us and all of the strings that you can pull from the holiday events and family drama and we're going to make it. It's a marathon at this point and just like you starting to plan or it's not starting to, but trying to put those finishing touches on the plans and for 2024 while also balancing some good family time in, in between. Yeah, and I think it's good. It's kind of refreshing to take a little bit of a break. But then I get, you know, as any entrepreneur, you get anxious because it's like, I feel like there's so much to do. I've got to do this. I got to tidy up this. I've got to, you know, I'm excited to do this and and all the stuff that comes with it. But we ended up doing our Christmas party just this last weekend. And that was a blast. It's good to kind of get out with the team out of work Mm -hmm. and celebrate, go have a good time and stayed out at the casino. So donated one a little, donated a bunch back. So. There we go. Heck yeah. Did anyone uh, end up getting fired from <laughs> to the Christmas party <laughs> antics? <laughs> I always you enjoy know, those stories. <laughs> you know, we, we uh, no, nobody That's got good. fired. And I always get, I do always get nervous about some of those settings because like the venues that we always choose, it's usually the casino because they've got, you know, a club out there and cigar lounge and like all the different functions and venues and food and like they can support a large party there. Um, and so, you know, you got to open bar, of course, and all the staples of the Christmas party. So I am always holding my breath and very, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say nervous because I trust everybody, but, you know, things happen and that would be, that would suck. <laughs> and it's the end of the year. Everyone's kind of letting loose and kind of, you know, letting their hair down, if you will, getting ready for that. And then the family stuff. So, but yeah, it's been good. How's things been for you? It's been a long time since we chatted. And I know there was a lot of exciting things the last time you and I spoke. And I love marketing. I know that you know that you and I visited about that. And I think it's just a huge component that a lot of trucking companies just don't invest enough energy or time into freight brokers and salespeople, you name it. it, Everything's marketing. I mean, the marketing does, it's involved in everything, every ad, everything you see, your eyes get bombarded with what is it, something like a million data points. I don't remember. It's something crazy. So it's like you got to cut through all that noise to kind of make you stand out. And marketing is a huge component for, I feel like, company culture, attracting new drivers or freight, how to get yourself out there. 
establish an image, you know, being trustworthy, whatever the mission would be. But, you know, catch me up on what you've been up to. Yeah, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's one of those things that I started a podcast for Digital Dispatch, which is a, you know, a, a freight mark, essentially, a you know, a website management company for freight companies. And so what we do is we just manage the website and also, you know, help clients with giving them a facelift. But I started a podcast called the Digital Dispatch Podcast in order to talk to my ideal customers, to talk to other people in freight, to figure out what their pain points were or are. And so after I did that, the show got picked up or the concept of it got picked up by Freight Waves. Um, so I hosted a show called nice. Cyberly for a little while. I don't know if I was on well with you while I was doing that show, but the concept of it was very similar to the show that I host now on Everything is Logistics. So I did that Cyberly show until just a little over a year ago before I decided to go out on my own, like fully independent, because for folks who don't know, I have a career or background in uh, media. I started off as a blogger, went into radio, local TV here in the, the Jacksonville, Florida market. So I started up the podcast to promote the business, but then the podcast kind of started to go off and, you know, almost be more successful than my actual business. And so I'm like, well, I kind of have to treat these as separate entities now. And so what I did about a year ago is I took the Everything is Logistics show, uh, changed it from the company namesake to that brand name, went independent, fully independent from FreightWaves. I still appear on, you know, FreightWaves programming, but this show is, you know, my show. I book the guests. I you know, upload all of the shows to the podcast players to YouTube. I have an assistant now that that helps me with that. Thank God. But you know, social media, email campaigns, all that good stuff. And a lot of that content, just frankly, doesn't make sense for the digital dispatch brand, which is more web and marketing. So my big project for over the holidays is to fully separate those two brands so that they kind of can live and breathe on their own. A lot of I, I've needed a lot of help over the last year. So I mentioned that I, I hired an assistant finally to help me because essentially for a lot of marketers in this industry, and you know this, it's very much like kind of pieced together. There's one person typically inside of a freight company or inside of small businesses who are handling the marketing. So it's really about that one person marketing team. And that's who I started out as in my freight marketing career, working at uh, you know asset-based 3PL where I was an executive assistant, but I was also just tasked with all the marketing. So I think historically within this industry, we haven't exactly treated marketing with the kind of budget that it deserves. And so I'm trying to like, you know, do my own advice now and treat marketing with the budget that it deserves and, you know, with the respect to the brands that I've built up for both digital dispatch and the podcast. So now there's a little bit more freedom with, you know, everything is logistics to talk about other important, you know, logistics and transportation stories that aren't really focused on marketing, but also keep, you know, that digital dispatch channel open for that important, you know, freight marketing content for the other, you know, one person marketing team. So that's essentially what I've been doing over the last, I guess, two years. And it's come to kind of fruition right now where I think, you know, just I've been lucky enough to have a really good 2023, and I hope that continues in 2024. But you know, I'm I'm sure there's going to be roadblocks. I'm sure there's going to be frustration points that we'll have to work through. That's the life of an entrepreneur, I guess. Or you know, waking up every day putting out fires. It is, yeah, and it's just you kind of put on your battle armor and get out in the world and uh, you know see what the day has in store for you. Congratulations! I'm proud of you. That oh, is uh, you. so cool that you went independent. That's a big deal, and I don't know how big of a deal people understand that is but I think kudos and that's a big leap and that's kind of scary too when you've got a 
platform that endorses you, such as Freight Waves, and like you can reach a lot of people in that platform. And so for you to kind of take a step out and do your own thing, it's like, you know, it's a big unknown and a big uncertainty. So that's awesome. I'm proud of you for that. And you know, it's so funny, you mentioned you were an executive assistant. And I feel like an executive assistant is a title for you to just hire people to do anything, but it's an attractive way for people to apply because you're like, oh, I'm literally just going to like manage a calendar and get paid 50,000 bucks, but that's not the reality. Yeah, so I wish I got paid $50,000 when I did no. that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, these people, oh, well, we won't get into that. But I think you bring up a good point though. So, because a lot of people don't have a dedicated marketing team, let alone a person, let alone a line item on their P&L to market. And folks will, you know, it might be um, a relative, it might be a kid, it might be a college student, it might be, you know, just someone that is passionate about marketing that these truck companies or freight brokerages or whoever, it's like, oh, they have a TikTok, let's start doing TikTok or let's start doing this. But I think it's really important to run your business as such. And and one of the rules that we try to do is stick to, eh, we, we pulled back a little bit just because we were making a correction, but like 20% of our revenue will be allocated towards the marketing, mm. right? However you want to break that up, whether it's a salary included or just ad spend or whatever, it branding, you name it. But I think a lot of people get overwhelmed. It's a lot. It's a huge undertaking. If you were to go out and let's say, I know you made a platform that's very affordable. I think like what you did was awesome back in the day for the website management and web presence and that stuff. I think people should fully take advantage of that. But if people were to go out and say, hey, I want to hire a marketing firm. I want to pay somebody to do my SEO or I want to, whatever the case is, they start to realize like it's an investment. It's a lot of money. And I think these business owners, especially in today's market, get really, really nervous or really scared about the unknown and spending money on something that doesn't have that ROI or this perceived value that's going to come back to them in terms of dollars. So what is a couple simple steps? And let's just take maybe a traditional smaller brokerage that might have family work in there. And let's say you've got a college kid that is somewhat tech savvy, and they're going to come in and say, hey, I need your help branding or marketing me. What would be maybe in your opinion, like just kind of quick, easy, step-by-step guide to just get somebody a plan? (laughs) Like we're going to market like step one. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's going to be really important, the person that you have in charge of it. And you want to have somebody that is almost a generalist where they have an idea about these different strategies, but may not be the niche experts say in SEO, which there's so many different niches under SEO. You could hire a technical person. You could hire someone that's just going to create content. You could hire someone that's just going to focus on pay-per-click ads. So that's those all niches right under the SEO umbrella. So it's really important, I think, for companies to, like you said, not overwhelm themselves and focus on the areas that are going to make the most sense for them right now with the stage and the time availability that they have. One of the best ways is, you know, not to just, you know, preach about websites, but you have to have a website. So that is the like bare bones minimum, because what's going to happen is that if your sales team is out there cold calling, they're emailing, the first thing that that person that they're going to do, first of all, if they even open up your email, and if they read that email, and they engage in the conversation, what they're going to do is they're going to open up a new tab, they're going to Google your business name, and they're going to see what kind of information pops up. That information should be your website. You should be controlling that information that is displayed in front of that user because they're going to look you up before they ever decide to do business with you, before they ever decide to call you. 
And so they're, the buyer is doing that kind of due diligence and doing that kind of research without ever speaking to you nine times out of 10. So with your website, you want to, I think a lot of brokerages, especially in my experience, they think that if they build a website and if they throw up a request for quote up on their brokerage site, that they're going to immediately get all of these shippers that are going to flock to their site just to be able to do business with you. And that, that frankly just does not happen. You have to put yourself in the mind of these shippers, of these customers. What they're doing is they're getting bombarded every single day with these messages. They don't have to seek you out. They don't have to submit that request for quote. We manage more than 30 websites in the freight space. And out of all of them, hardly any of them actually will get an RFQ submitted to their site from a shipper. Nine times out of 10, if someone is filling out a form on your site as a brokerage company, then they're looking to work for you. So they're looking to apply for mm-hmm. a job. They're looking to apply for you know accounting, be on the broker floor, executive role. That's typically the only form that they're filling out on your site. So, But that's kind of also good news in the lens of make sure you get a website, but you don't have to overdo it. You have a, you know, a handful of pages on it that explains who you are, has pictures of your team on there, you know, links back to your LinkedIn. So people know that the, when they do Google you, you are not just a fly-by-night company. You're actually a legitimate company with a real you know, domain at the end of your email address. It's not a Gmail or a Hotmail or whatever you know, other email service <laughs> providers. I don't even think Hotmail exists anymore. I might have just dated myself by saying that. Uh, but, hey, all, <laughs> but all of these Earth different... Week. Don't overcomplicate it is is a long or a short way of saying it, is that you want a very basic website, but you also want it very personalized. So take photos with your iPhone, take photos of your team, link it back to LinkedIn profiles, because what a customer is going to do or a carrier even to make sure that they're not getting double brokered, that they want to make sure that they are doing business with the people that they are talking to. And so if you can connect those dots for them using, you know, three or four pages on, you know, I don't want to say a simple site, but an introductory site for where you're at, then you can have somebody internally at the office that can manage that occasionally and has a good sort of overview of why you have this site and then the sales campaigns that kind of fit into it. And then there's all kinds of ways that I could get into as far as like, you know, enhancing the sales team and helping out the, the person who's in charge of marketing, or even typically it's the founder or the executive team that is, especially for a smaller company, that's handling the marketing messages and they're handling the, you know, a podcast like with what you're doing here. They're the ones managing that. And, but that kind of content, that kind of insight can then be shared with your team. It can be shared with your customer base and it can you know, set you up as sort of a, you know, a thought leader, but don't overcomplicate it. Start off with a very basic website. If you can't afford a website, at least get a Google My Business page or a Google Business page is what they call it now. Um, it's a free listing that you can get on Google that, so that when someone does you know, search for your business name, then that page pops up. The problem is though with that is it is free and with free comes from you know some, some, I guess, lack of customization, but you do get to add some office photos. You can add a phone number. Um, you can add some general contact information. You can also get reviews. So that's a, you know, kind of like a, you know, a, a step ladder for folks. If you don't have the budget for a website or the skill set needed, start off with a Google business page and then you can work your way up to a website. And then from there, you can start to expand on, you know, an actual marketing plan. Well, and let's touch it. You know, the website, to your point, is really just like a virtual storefront, right? It's just connecting you with your client or customer, or potential customer or Someone wants to make sure they're not getting double brokered because they're going to look at you and that builds trust, you know, whether you know it or realize it or not. 
But how, how much is a website? Because I don't think they're very much. So it depends on the skill set of the person that you have managing it. Like there are AI tools that can quote unquote whip up, you know, a website for you very quickly. To me, I've tried out some of those tools because that, that's, you know, the, the nature of the business I'm in. I wish they were further along than what they are. It is very, very basic sites that these AI tools can create. But I will caution that these AI tools are the worst they're ever going to be today. They're always going yeah. to be getting better. And so that's just yeah. something to keep in mind what I would prefer to do. So like for my company, we, we charge 2,500 bucks. Um, that gets you everything that you need in a website to grow as you grow. We're charging even just a couple of years ago, only 1,500 bucks, but kind yeah. of found out you know, that some companies look at that price range and almost get questionable eyes. Like, is this actually going to be a decent site? So they, they kind of yeah. question it if it's a little too cheap. And so I've kind of learned that with our, our, our different pricing models, but if you find somebody, if you are clear on what you want on the site, which you have to, being clear is subjective. So if you're thinking of four to five pages, so you got your homepage, you got your services page, you have a contact us page, you have an about us page, and then maybe you have a blog. So that's four, maybe five pages, but four at bare minimum. The contact us page is you know very basic. It has a form to reach out to someone with maybe your social media icons. Um, the about us page is simply, you know, about that. It's it, that is the second visited page out of all the data that I've seen. People typically arrive through the homepage or they arrive through a blog post page. The second page that they visit after that overwhelmingly is the about us page. So your about us page is very important. So just making sure you have a company bio there, you know, team headshots, uh, links back to your LinkedIn profiles. So people can verify that you are who you say you are. Services page is, you know, obviously very uh, self-explanatory. Um, and then your homepage was kind of a culmination of all of those things. Now, if you can lay out that plan and what you want that content to appear on that site, then you could typically go to Fiverr and get somebody for a few hundred bucks to create that site for you. What you want to look for, though, is you want to make sure that they're building on a platform like WordPress. You kind of want to avoid some of these other you know, kind of VC funded models, you know, like a Wix or like a Webflow, I, no shade to those platforms, of course, but it's difficult to expand when you're ready to grow. Those platforms are also as challenging to find a lot of developers that are cost effective and quick. And so you're going to run into issues that if you want to change something on your site, then it's going to be more challenging. It's probably going to be more expensive. I go with WordPress because it's open source. It has the, you know, the largest market share and it also has the largest developer pool because the developer pool is really where your your kind of maintenance and your management of the site that's where those costs are really going to creep up so that's why i am a proponent of wordpress so knowing all of that yeah. if you go in with a good plan you can probably spend about $1000 on a site and then you can have somebody in the office that can update that site occasionally updating the site is yeah. not that challenging you can watch a few youtube videos to figure it out but it's essentially a, a fancy Microsoft Word, a fancy Microsoft PowerPoint um, with a lot of these modern web builder tools. I think it, the key, though, is having somebody internally that can make those updates and make those changes to the site and add new content to the site. And then when they run into issues, when they run into problems and they have you know two or three developers that they can reach out to, that they can fix something on the site really quickly. That's the most bang for your buck. And I think for the overwhelming majority of brokerages, of, of smaller carriers out there, that is the best bang for your buck that you can get and invest in and then also establish that level of trust. 
Um, it doesn't, if you're going to pay more than, if you're a smaller brokerage or even a medium sized brokerage and you're looking at a bill that's anywhere from five to 10 grand, don't, it's not worth it. And it's not worth it for yeah. this stage of what you're at. And frankly, that is just too high of a price, especially when all of these new tools are entering the market and making website creation uh, very, very affordable and speedy and removing some of those pain points. But you just got to find that sweet spot of somebody who is familiar with building WordPress or building websites, but also familiar with AI tools. And right now it's just that market is a little slim. Yeah. And it's just so new. Uh, mm-hmm. WordPress is by far my favorite. It's it's easy. Um, and you, there's a lot of widgets, a lot of templates, you know, drag and drop. Kind uh, yeah, of that's a great point. Simple. The templates yeah. that are available, there's all of these different websites yep. that have all of these different templates that you can buy yep. for 30 bucks, 40 bucks, um, sometimes around $100. But the site is pretty much built for you. And then you're going in and essentially editing a, you know, a PowerPoint document with your images and your text about your company. And that is a really easy way to get a website up and running. Or they don't do any time and they pay you to do it. That's what I would do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't too. have time to deal with that. What is the feedback you've got, let's say, from you know either a trucking company or a freight brokerage on the impact of having that web presence and a website and updating the Google My Business and that kind of stuff? I mean, I understand it because it's a world that I live in, but I think a lot of people just don't get it. You know, SEO, they're like, I, like, I don't even know what SEO is, a lot of people, right? So it's just like, it, it's just a, basically the backgrounds and the un- underworkings to rank you on the web, to get you to pull up when people search you, when people... And part of that is is relevance, and part of that is is how functional is your website and the speed of your website and all that stuff. And I don't want to get into that because people will have no clue what we're talking about. But <laughs> like, what's the feedback from some of your customers? Because you guys are managing quite a few right now. And let's just talk about the end user experience and the ROI, if any. I, that's tough to measure, but let's give some positive encouragement here. So. Oh, it's definitely a trust factor because it's one of those things, especially when when fraud is so prevalent, you know, you're dealing with all of these issues, people just want less headaches. And so that's what your website can provide to people is providing that level of trust that they can do business with you and they're not going to get screwed over, you know, and I think also connecting it to your social media profiles is also that extra layer of verification of trust. To know that, I mean, anybody can frankly, you know, throw up a website. And I I would imagine that maybe some of the more sophisticated fraud teams and fraud, you know, cases will have some kind of a level of a website, especially as AI tools increase. They'll be able to, you know, be able to whip up a website that I I saw a story the other day that The Guardian, major news platform, obviously, but there were scammers that changed the Mm -hmm. I in the Guardian name to the Latin I where it has the little, you know, the two dots, you know, above the I, you know, the, the Latin way of, of spelling it. It looked, a it was a carbon copy of the Guardian website, but it also had uh, articles that these fraudsters created and posted to their fake Guardian website. And so it was made to look as if it was legitimate. So that's the whole reason why I, I really just sort of want to hammer home that how important it is to have some kind of an online presence to prove that you are who you say you are, especially in this yeah. industry, because if they're not going to, if these customers and if these carriers are not able to verify you fairly quickly, they're going to move on to the next email that's in their inbox. It's, it's a numbers game for them at this point where they're just getting bombarded with brokers trying to reach out. I heard a shipper say the other day that he gets about a thousand emails a day. 
Could you a thousand emails a day is insanity. And I'm sure that there are brokers out there who maybe get like double or triple that amount. But can you imagine trying to manage that from a customer standpoint and trying to go through a bunch of different vendors? And so you want to make sure that you are standing out, not only when somebody is ready to convert, because that's essentially what your website is. It's when somebody is ready to convert, that's when they're going to arrive on your site. But yep. if your social media presence is solid, if you're you know focusing on the platforms that make sense for your audience, that is another factor that I think is really um, a missed opportunity. Simple things like having your profile photo visible on your LinkedIn, even if someone isn't connected to you. These are simple things that you can just put yourself in the eyes of your audience and your target customer of who you're trying to reach and say, what would make this process as easy as possible for them to do business with me? And then I start there. And then outside of that, it's really about trying to find the time and the dedication because it is going to take time if you invest in any kind of marketing strategy, whether it's SEO, which I could go on and on about how freight companies spend a little too much time focusing on SEO and they should be focused on you know, creating uh, content on platforms where people are already hanging out. And so just taking that time approach of I'm going to invest a little bit of time into this each day or set aside some time each week that I'm going to devote to this. And then I'm going to wait six months before I make any kind of formal judgment because I have a hunch that this is where my audience is hanging out. If I talk about the things that they care about, then maybe they Google my website and they come and do business with me. That's the sort of the ultimate ethos of you know the, the marketing plans that I preach for you know, a lot of the SMBs out there that just frankly, they don't have the time or the budget to hire somebody internally to handle it. So it needs to be, you know, the kind of operations focused person, a, a founder driven marketing approach. It needs to be someone within the leadership team or the administrative team that can help facilitate that those messaging goals before you go and hire, you know, a agency or someone to just solely focus on marketing, lay the groundwork first, and then you can go after the goals after that. Yeah. And I think it starts with kind of core principles, right? And what is your company built on and what image are you trying to get out there to the community? And you bring up a great point is, and you didn't say it in these words, but you don't want to just be selling. It's not an ad. It's not a sales advertisement. It's not a sales pitch. You're delivering value and you're going to deliver it consistently across all platforms and whatever you choose, wherever your people are hanging out. And I, I suggest going all in on a couple. Don't do all of them, especially when you don't have the knowledge. It's like just focus on a few yes. and do it at a high level. And it's really easy to stand out with a little bit of effort. It's not, it's not going to be hard. I think too, um, what people forget is let's say I'm a trucker, for example, and I have a niche and I specialize in open deck and I, but I specialize out of regions and certain things. So with that information, my Facebook, TikTok, whatever, um, your website, everything will be geared towards you, your niche, and just establishing your expertise in that arena. So that when you go and talk to maybe trying to get a contract with a, a shipper or you got a broker it, that you're eyeing that you want to work with, and you do cut through the noise of those thousand emails, I do think cold call. It's, it's just a strategy, right? You got a cold call. You got to get in front of them, LinkedIn, be relevant, be active be there when they're ready to search you and find you, but also stand out, they're going to pull you up. And it's like, oh, this guy does exactly what we need. And oh, look at that. It's in the same arena and same you know lanes that we need help in. I think your trust factor goes up. They're going to pick you over somebody else. 100%. Especially when you know we, we were kind of talking about you know, AI driven sites or blanking on Chat the name GPT. right now, but uh, uh, <laughs> templates, you know, things like that. Like that if you use 
you know, and typically, uh, well, I, I would say we're kind of in a, in danger of if everybody's using AI, then everybody's going to sound like AI. And if everybody is using a website template, then all the kind of websites will generally look the same. Where you stand out is exactly like you said, where you focus on your niche, you focus on your specialties, because if you start small, you can always expand out from there. And then to kind of alleviate that, you know, sort of sea of sameness, what you can do is everybody has their cell phone. Take photos of your office, take photos of your fleet, take photos of your people that are working inside of the office and outside of the office and post them to your site. Because making sure that you can differentiate yourself, pictures are the easiest way to do that. And, and having some kind of a connection to you and your team is ultimately, you know, as with all of these tools that we're talking about, people still do business with people and they want to be able to make a connection with you. Typically how that happens in a modern day internet environment is they see something you posted on social media or they see an email come through or you've blown up their phones, you know, five times in the last week cold calling them, they're going to Google your business name. And so they're going to look you up and then they're going to do a little bit of research on you before they ever decide to do business with you. So you want to make sure that you're standing out. You want to make sure that that content you're posting to social media is consistent with the services that you provide on your site. So then that way you're making that buying decision seamless. You're making that pathway to conversion much more trustworthy, applicable to the audience that you're trying to reach. And maybe it's just, maybe you're not trying to reach all the customers. Maybe you're trying to recruit really good employees. That's another aspect to keep in mind as well is, you know, nine times out of 10, the carriers and the brokers, the people that are coming to your site are people looking to work for you, not with you. And so keeping that in mind too, that you want to also attract good talent. And the way you do that is take your cell phone, take photos of company events, of the PG related Christmas parties. Like you want to do all of those things and document those things so that way you can show it off and show it off to the people you're trying to recruit from both a customer standpoint and also an employee standpoint. I think, yeah, and that's a great point is like you can feature, you know, driver of the month. You can talk about Sarah at the front desk, you can, you know, whatever the, whatever the people are, because you just make it relatable, you make it human to them. Um, you know, having clean trucks, having good image and branding on your trailers, being out on the road and someone's like, gosh, who is this company? Like, I just see them everywhere and they're just clean every single time. The drivers look professional. And then that makes it a place that people want to go to because it shows stability um, and this perceived outside perception that it's a solid company. I, I love know? that you brought that up because there's a trucking company that I work with and I, and I won't say their name, but we have a driver application on their site. And yeah. on the form, we ask, it's very simple. And I feel like I've preached this until, you know, I'm going to be put into a grave someday, but add a simple field to your website form. How did you hear about us? Make it a free yeah. text field, no check boxes, no drop down, just make it required and make people type something out because that will tell you exactly where your marketing is resonating with folks. That trucking company, we added that field to their driver application forms. And we're hearing stories and we're seeing stories of, oh, I saw your truck driving down the road. Oh, I saw your truck at a rest stop. Countless numbers of submissions that are coming through from drivers applying to their company and employees wanting to work for them simply because they saw the truck driving down the road. Now, if I was the person in charge of marketing, 
I would suddenly be seeing all of these different search. I would see the source, the traffic source. Oh, Google. Oh my gosh, we're getting all of these leads that are coming from Google. We should invest more in ads and SEO and things like that. That's not what's happening. What happens is your other marketing is making the impact, but Google is getting all of the credit. And so having yeah. somebody like, a, you know, kind of my point earlier, having someone who's kind of a generalist that can kind of know all of these different levers that exist in a marketing perspective, but then having a simple field on your website forms, how did you hear about us, can help that marketer know where to spend their time and energy and budget. And the last thing that would come from that kind of a conversation, like that example I just gave with the trucking company, if they didn't have somebody that was internal that knew where these leads were coming from, they would probably overinvest in Google SEO and not invest in the other things that were making the re- and driving the real impact. And they would have probably spent a lot of money and wasted a lot of money instead of putting it in areas mm-hmm. that would probably make more sense for them. So that little field on that site is, is giving so much more insight on where that company should be spending their time, energy, and dollars in going into next year. 100% KPIs so you can track and just kind of measure those metrics. And that's huge on a P&L, right? So when I'm going through our marketing budget and we're going to allocate, you know, tw- we'll just use percentages, but 20%, we know, okay, we've tried this. We've tried certain things. We've done appreciation events. We've done marketing, charity events, SEO, and all these things. I can see, to your point, because we track where everything comes from, what is working, what's most impactful. We still might spend money on something that's not quote unquote working or giving us a good return just for the sake of appearance and brand recognition and that we want to support maybe an association or something. We know we're not going to get a huge return on an association, but it aligns with our cause. We're there for the trucking community and the transportation industry. So we're going to put money to ATA or the state associations without any expectation of like getting a lead <laughs> or business from it, right? It's like, also networking too. I, I, I think that comes from a lot of associations. Sure. Yeah. Like the networking opportunities then hopefully pay for itself as well. Yeah. And it can't always be like, if I spend this, I'm going to get money back. Right. I, I think that people get too hung up on that. Like, yes. like and, and you and I chatted about this actually the first time that we chatted on the podcast. It's like, well, I'm going to do a podcast. What what am I going to get in return? Because it costs money when you start, right? Or if you choose not to take sponsorship or whatever, like it costs money to do it. Yes. It costs time, energy. Um, you got to edit. You got to host on the platforms. It costs money to put it up on Spotify, all the different things. And a lot of people would be like, well, you know, I don't see the value because I'm not going to get a return. So it's hard to conceptualize, I think, for some. That's where the business owners, I think, get in their own way. And when they're looking at somebody that maybe is uh, creative or, you know, a younger generation, more fluent with the tech and the AI and some of these platforms, they're just like, I don't understand it. I don't see the value in it. And I think that's where people have to get out of their own way and trust a little bit of that process and understand, hey, it's building towards your whole image, your whole brand. You know, what are your core values? If you don't have any, um, I recommend reading EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System. It'll help you kind of define what your company is, establish a vision, establish your goals. Can you vocalize and can you put that to your team? which all of that in turn will help with your branding and your marketing and your mission there, right? Because if I can't tell you where I'm going or my ideal client or what my goal is this next year, how am I supposed to market? 
Exactly. And I think right. that you hit the nail on the head that uh, for the past decade, marketers have been almost handcuffed because of all of the tools that are on the market and that they're almost, they've stopped doing the creative things that got them there and instead rely on these tools to measure attribution where the tools are measuring their own value as well. So of course, you know, a Google rep is going to tell you that all of your leads are coming <laughs> from them. LinkedIn is going to do the same thing. That, which is why I just preach about having that little field on your forms. How did you hear about us? And if you do that, then you get a larger picture of who's taking a screenshot of a post that we just did and sending it to a group chat or sending it to a Slack channel. You know, the, the concept around dark social and the conversations that are happening that have absolutely no tracking uh, you know, a, attached to it. In a growing, you know, sort of privacy regulation world, this is a mindset that you have to accept that you're not going to have this clear path to the ROI of a social media post. It frankly, it it all matters, but you need to figure out where to spend your time and attention and then figure out the ways that you're going to measure that high impact value. And then the rest kind of fills in the gaps because we all know the buying journey is some ridiculous stat. I, you know, I, I used to say it was 95% of your buyers are not in an active buying cycle at any given time. That number has increased to it's closer to 97% of people are not in an active buying cycle. And so for a lot of folks, you're competing for that 2 to 3% of folks that are in a buying cycle and you're just bombarding them. Whereas if you just spent a little bit more time with a podcast like this, daily posting to LinkedIn, if you spend those time investments and then over the course of six to eight months, you're probably gonna get a good feeling of you know where those leads are coming from and how they're getting to you if you're doing a good job with those specific things. Now, doing a good job is obviously subjective, but you're gonna do a better job if you're only focused on one or two channels or one or two different strategies versus trying to be on all the things and do all of it because ultimately you're going to get burnt out and you're not going to see, you're not going to know where the impact is coming from. Yeah. Well, and I think something that good marketers do is they create a calendar, right? They map out the year, they map out, it's not by accident. Sometimes you're going to have organic things that pop up. I'm going to take a picture, do a quick video, do a short, whatever the thing is at the time. I'm at a, you know, I see you, you'll be at a conference or something and you're out on a dinner or whatever networking. And so the things will post. So you don't schedule those, but you schedule the event. But people schedule, I'm going to do a blog, I'm going to make a post, I'm going to do an update, I'm going to do this event, we're going to do whatever. And I think that's what keep people keeps most good people on track is they have a roadmap and it's like that date hits. And here's the cool thing about tools, LinkedIn, Facebook, or some of like the other platforms, you can actually create, you know, say an hour of time once a month, you can book out the whole month worth of months worth of engagement post or whatever you're trying to do because you could just schedule it. Same with blogs, same with all these different things. So it doesn't take that much time and energy to do it. I think the big thing too is just you just got to take action. Right. Yeah. These guys just have, or gals, uh, whoever's doing the marketing or whatever team or person is doing it just has to take action and have a plan, create a plan, do it, stick with it for six months. I, I think you mentioned that, which is a huge, huge point because people, uh, shoot, if I did this podcast, I went six months and I measured it on whatever metric I wanted to measure it on, I would have gave up. <laughs> like It's not working. I'm out. I'm done. I didn't get any leads or whatever. Whatever. I, I don't have enough viewers or listeners or whatever. I don't, I don't think people give enough time for things to resonate and work either. So 
Yeah, for sure. I, I think planning is a huge component and just thinking about it because I think that's where a lot of people get stuck. So, you know, for, for a lot of this conversation, we've talked about, you know, the importance of all of these things. But then when you sit down at the computer, it's almost like, well, what do I post about? You know, how do I even get to that point of what I know what I need to say? I guess for the audience listening, I, I try to think about it in a general framework called the KLT method. It's a uh, knowledge, like, and trust. That's what the KLT means. And so about 70% of your content should be knowledge-based. And so think about mm-hmm. it from the lens of if you have a month on the calendar, you know, 70% of those days, if you were to po- be a psychopath and, you know, post every single day, um, which, <laughs> yeah, I guess technically you could, I kind of fit into that boat of being a psychopath <laughs> with content, but I have a lot of content to promote. <laughs> if you though are thinking about it from the lens of that 30 days, so 70% of those days should be based around knowledge. What do you know that your audience should know? And what do you have a kind of an opinion on that's a little spicy? That's not a I don't know, happy July 4th post. Like those are the worst that I see because that is such a generic thing to throw up. Yes, we. I I don't know how I'm going to survive if I don't have this Merry Christmas post from XYZ Trucking Company. I, I can promise you no one cares. They care about their own experience and about the things that they want to learn and they want to know and they want to learn it from you. And so thinking about it from the KLT method, 70% of that stuff is going to be what you can teach your audience. Then the like portion is, what do you like? Do you like a sports team? Do you like, you know, I don't know, some kind of a pickleball or, you know, whatever else that should fill about 20% of those posts. And then the 10% is the trust. So vulnerability, uh, you know, I screwed up with a customer today. Here's what I learned from it. You know, something along those lines. So that that's a general framework of how you can think about it. Another tool that I, or another concept that I think not a lot of companies are taking, I've started to see an uptick, but I still think this like the hidden gem of freight marketing is getting a note-taking app, getting it installed, having your team use it, build it out on a general email list. Say I use a tool called otter.ai. Now I think there's Firefly. I think there's, you know, Copy. I think there's, you know, a a bunch of different like note-taking apps. They'll automatically join your meeting. They'll create takeaways. They'll include the screenshots. And then they share that conversation with everybody else who was on the call. What's great about this, though, is that if you do have one person in your team that's handling marketing, they can't attend all of your meetings. They can't attend all of your sales calls. And so you use that as a tool for them so that they can get the takeaways of the questions that were asked in those conversations. So then they can make the email campaign for the sales team to Mm -hmm. send out, or they can create the website content, or they can give the founder or the executive team, you know, stuff to post about on LinkedIn, on X. So you can have that as sort of like your arsenal and your tool belt of these are the questions that our leads and customers are asking. Now, how can we create content around it in that general sort of KLT framework? It doesn't have to be exact you know, if you, if you have a couple more trust posts than you do knowledge, but you know, no one's going to generally care or really notice because most internet users are selfish. So they just generally want to see things that are going to either educate them or entertain them. And so can you yep. provide that to them on a consistent basis? And those are a kind of, you know, just a couple general frameworks to, to think about it. And the best way to put it is, you know, kind of what Gary Vaynerchuk says, he says, you're day trading attention. So you're going to the platforms mm-hmm. where people are already spending their time you're giving them insight, you're giving them knowledge. And then when they become that, you know, that part of that buying percentage, you know, at two to 3% that's ready to buy, you win before that person ever gets to Google. That's my mm-hmm. sort of marketing ethos that I've worked off for the last 
you know, sort of five or so years. It's paid off in dividends for me. It's what I educate to my clients and my audience. And I think you see it now with the growth of just freight podcasts in general. You know, I think when we started, you know, there was maybe 25 podcasts. Now there's over 100 in our space. Oh, I know. It's wild. I I feel like we're still barely scratching the surface as far as content in this space is concerned. And so don't think it's oversaturated. We are only, you know, just getting started. People will gravitate towards those they want or like or connect or go through seasons. They'll listen to some, listen to others. I tried, you know, you try to listen to Joe Rogan and it's like, oh, I don't have like eight hours a day to listen to him. (laughs) I mean, it's insane. I'm like, I, he is a bot. It is chat GPT for sure. Like some deep fake thing. But anyways, uh, we can go on forever. And there's a Seriously. lot of good points you brought up, which then I'm like, ah, we don't talk about this, talk about that. But we can't like, let, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. Where can people follow you find more? Where can they find everything as logistics? Because, uh, you know, there's no doubt there's so many good discussions in there and nuggets of gold and stuff that if people are embarking on this journey or at whatever stage they're on, they'll be able to learn something. I appreciate that uh, a lot. And I try to make it easy for folks. So everything is logistics.com is where you can find like my socials, email sign up, all of my content. We are working on expanding out that site. I think I kind of briefly touched on that earlier about, you know, the separation of the two brands. So if you're looking for more freight marketing website, specific content tips like that, check out Digital Dispatch. And then everything is logistics has everything, (laughs) all of our content. And then we're going to be working on expanding that site out with some more specified content geared around specific user case studies, things like that. I love it. Uh, You make it easy. You make it easy to understand. And I hope people do follow up and follow through and go check it out. So I mean, if you guys listen, it's not hard to get a website. There's a lot of things that we talked about that are probably way over your head or overwhelming literally just connect. I mean, go to her, get a quote. It's not that expensive, 2,500 bucks. And I do know things are tight. It's a challenge. Um, It is an investment. And I'm guessing that you would be willing to spend some time talking through that, you know, getting someone in the right space to set up for success. But I do encourage you reach out. You either have time or you got money. You got to exchange one. (laughs) And in my mind, you know, if you're a trucking company owner, your job is to get out on the road or find freight and move it. If you're a freight broker, your job is to go move freight, <laughs> like not do go. a website, <laughs> either hire someone to do it internally or externally. You know, I'm a huge advocate of that. Delegation is key. That's how people can level up. So thank you so much. I do. I really, really, really do appreciate your time. Oh, well, always. thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you. Be safe. Uh, let's rock 2024. I think it's going to be a good year. Let us know if you need anything. Find us on LinkedIn. We're on all the major platforms, like share, comment, all that kind of stuff. We love you guys. Thank you. Bye.